Hey, thanks for checking out this message from LifeGate Church. We hope that God uses this message to encourage you and to help you live in the freedom and purpose that Jesus has for your life. Well, good morning, everyone. We can find our seats. That would be great. Let me pray before I speak, hey? Heavenly Father, we just thank you so much um, for who you are. Thank you, Lord God, that you are um, the creator of this world, both the things that are seen and also unseen, um, and also you're the creator of us. Lord God, I just pray that the things that you have prepared today, that I would speak them faithfully, um, and that message um, would be well received and understood. Thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, good morning again. Um, As I've already been introduced... My name is uh, Mark Shume. Generally on these slides, they um, ask things that you do or, or what you do at church. I would just say that I'm a follower and a lover of Jesus. Um, that is my um, older I get and the more I see stuff going around the world, the more I just come back to that, um, putting my, my firm faith and foundation in Jesus because he gives me absolute meaning in my life. Also, just say welcome to the people online, also, um, and it's a pleasure that you're here today as well. So, last year, in fact, July 22nd last year, I saw a photo today actually of us that we went to Tasmania. So, I've been teaching, um, I've been in education for many years, and actually been fortunate um, to um, be at my current school, Fuji. I think I'm coming on to coming on to 20 years um, next year, so 19 years. So I took some well-deserved long service leave, and so I had this great idea that I would take my family to Tasmania. But we do a little bit of a twist. We thought, wouldn't it be cool if I if we brought our own vehicle because it was all set up for like fridges and things in the back, so we could just kind of be very self-sufficient as we're going around. One problem. You've got to take a boat um, across to Tasmania. And I don't do boats well. Um, there's been a few times where I have foolishly gone um, deep sea fishing as part of male bonding with some friends. Wasn't much male bonding, I can tell you, those, those twice I did that. I, I didn't really see much. I was pretty much just laid flat out on the deck. Anyway, we had this most beautiful time um, in Tasmania and then it was time for us to go back, um, back to reality. So we drove back to Davenport. We've loaded our, um, our four-wheel drive onto the, onto the ship um, and then we settled in um, for the crossing to go that night. The captain makes his announcement. He welcomed us on board, all bright and um, chirpy. Um, and then he says, um, he gives the weather up, up, update. And he said, yeah, um, so tonight we're going to have three-metre seas with three-metre swells. And so I'm thinking three-metre seas plus another three-metre, it's like six metres. And then he lets out this kind of nervous giggle. (laughs) And then he goes, yeah, we're definitely going to feel it that night. And that night I definitely, and my whole family actually definitely felt it. Um, As we um, got out of the port of Devonport, we started to hit um, Bass Strait, 
fun fact, it's, they, they say it's actually one of the most dangerous stretches of water on Earth because of its location, I know. Um, and this ship does it every, like, couple of days. So you're thinking, um, can it take it? But as we were going um, and sailing back um, to Melbourne, we were hitting these waves where you would feel the actual... the ship would actually shudder um, and vibrate as it, as it penetrated through the waves. And I remember one time where... Um, the waves were kind of, it was kind of a, a motion that was hitting us back and forth, but during the night, um, we then started getting hit by waves to the side, and it felt like almost like this corkscrew whirl, whirlpool. I almost had this vision of a, um, you know, like uh, the, the sail ships, and you have the big um, octopuses kind of coming up and attacking the ship. It was kind of like that was in my, my kind of on my mind. It was not a comfortable night and so there was a lot of heavy breathing I can say um, that, that night but we, we survived and I tell that story because I believe that we're in a time um, where um, it's very hard to kind of work out where things are going um, foundations our, our land that we're, that we're on our footing maybe our mental um, reasoning maybe just how we're feeling is really shaky it seems like everything, society at the moment, is heaving and throwing, and you don't know where things are, are quite at. So today, I want to um, really just, um, just explore that feeling um, about being thrown back and forth. And the whole point of this is that through Jesus, he can be your firm foundation. And one of the key things that I've been working through um, not just in my job, but also my own, um, my own life, is this whole idea about being faithful with my mind. So there was a very famous um, Prime Minister called Winston Churchill. Back in 1943, um, he was in America and he was giving this speech at, um, I believe it was Harvard. And in that speech, he said... These words, the empires of the future will be empires of the mind. So the empires before that were governments um, that would take, you know, massive swaths of land and armies would go out and conquer. But Winston Churchill um, had sensed that there's been a change. No longer is it going to be governments, um, but these empires are actually going to be our minds. For those who have walked in the Christian faith um, for a while, you may be also kind of looking at the world and seeing all the, the different things that are kind of going on. Um, this man is um, a quote from William Booth. William Booth was the founder of the Salvation Army. He's a really interesting um, man to study because he was a guy that was just um, completely sold out to the Lord. He had a one-track mind um, to pursue Jesus. And um, through that one-track mind, we saw uh, an incredible, actually, revival happen, not just only um, through England, but spread out through the world. I believe that when the Salvation Army first came to Australia, into New South Wales, there was something like along the lines of 20,000 people gave their lives to Jesus in just one year. Um, so great impact. But this is what he said when someone um, asked him about... What is going to be the greatest danger um, facing us as a, as a Christian church in the next century? And so he said, I consider that the chief dangers which confront the, the coming century will be a religion without the Holy Ghost, 
Christianity without Christ, forgiveness without repentance, salvation without regeneration, politics without God, and heaven without hell. William Booth died in 1912. But you could be reading that quote and going, wow, that's just like us now. But actually, this and where we were at at the moment with shifting ideas and values and worldviews is actually part of the human condition. It's always happened. Here we have a quote from Paul, who's writing to the Corinthians. And what was happening in Corinth? There was all these different kind of ideas and teachings that were coming into the church. And so he writes to them, But though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have... Sorry, but have... I can't read that, actually. How bad is that, getting older and older? I'll just go up to my slides, which I can read. Okay. I'll start that again. For though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ, being ready to punish every disobedience when your obedience is complete. So here Paul is telling the Corinthians that, hey, our fight isn't actually against people. It's actually um, about ideas. And so we're going to spend a little bit of time now just kind of thinking through some of the prevailing um, worldviews and ideologies that are, that are through the world. Now, some of these will be touchy, okay? And it is not my intention um, here to be um, casting um, or upsetting people and things like that, but it's really important um, that all of us actually have a good understanding of where people are coming from. Because one of the issues I see is that when um, we have ideas that are so radically different um, from the Christian worldview, there can be a tendency for us to get upset or defensive um, instead of being able just to listen and then to, to, to actually recognise where people are coming from. Because the world is in dire need of a saviour. Interesting fact about Australia. Um, back in 1970 in the census... Um, about 80% of people um, identify themselves as Christians. Um, in the latest census, that has gone down to 30, and it will continue to drop as well. What's interesting in our society at the moment is the Christian worldview is no longer um, actually the prevailing thought. And so there's all these different kind of thinking happening, happening out there. Another interesting fact in this census that in Sydney... 50% of residents in Sydney were not born in Australia. So we have all of these different kind of um, circumstances, um, in, in, especially in Sydney, that gives us really great opportunity to be able to share the gospel um, with um, people who do not know him. So I've got up here um, a QR code. Um, now... I'm only going to just, um, so please, if you want to get it, there's a bit more information. It's actually a book um, that I've taken a bit of an excerpt from. I'll just move out of the way. Um, but if you want to just research this a little bit more, 
um, that I've got a PDF there that you can um, download as well. For people online, I'm not sure how that's going to happen, but um, I'm, I'm sure that um, that will put some kind of link or something up there. So the four challenging ideologies um, that we have um, in our society at the moment is moral relativism, autonomous individualism, narcissistic hedonism, and then we have reductive naturalism. And all of them kind of try to make sense of the world, okay? And so it's people actually trying to seek, seek out how things actually kind of work in the world. Because remember, the world continues to shift and change and things are never sure. And so different thinkings and different ideas um, are then um, thought up to try and help with it. So moral relativism is this whole idea that truth isn't actually truth. There is no such thing as truth. That's because your truth is your truth. My truth is my truth. It's the very famous... Um, Oprah Winfrey, I think, was probably the first one I, I, when I, I, thought, I thought about with this kind of worldview where she would say that's your truth or speaking, you know, that you're speaking your truth. And so we have this whole idea that we can't actually trust anything because there is no truth. That is in very much the contrast to the actual biblical worldview um, because as Christians, we believe that there is one moral truth and that's God. He says what is truthful and he can be relied upon. And so while there is in this worldview this whole idea that there is no truth, as Christians, we are actual truth seekers. We are there to find the truth. Number two, autonomous individualism. This one, I saw a, um, a sticker with a, a car. It was a, a souped-up Honda, which is kind of cop bait, right? Um, and, and particularly cop bait because there was, this, there, was this, um, there was this sticker on the back of it that just says, my rules, my way. And I just thought, oh, my goodness, that's just like a red flag, isn't it, to, to, to pull you over. Um, I'm not a police officer, but anyway, I'm imagining it would be. Um, this whole idea of aut autonomous individualism. I can do what I want. I can choose my own destiny. And we see that working out actually in the education system where we, say, um, we, we tell kids that you can do anything that you can set your mind to. Okay? Now, that is a really great... Um, we want our kids to do their best. We want them to try. We want them to strive. But what's happening is that when our kids come out of school, the reality of the world says you can't do everything, you can't do anything you set your mind to. I wanted to be a fighter pilot. It's all I wanted to do um, going through high school. I wear glasses, and turns out I get motion sickness. Not a good mix, okay? So quite clearly, that doesn't quite work. But this whole idea of I can do anything that I want, the biblical worldview, talks about that God has actually um, given you skills, he's given you gifts, he's given you talents, he's given you a future, he's given you a purpose, he's designed you for specific things in this world. You were not a mistake, okay? And so instead of doing whatever I want, the Christian worldview is really about, hey, God has actually got something really special for you to do. Let's go find it. 
The next one is narcissistic um, hedonism. Um, and this one um, you'll see coming out in I, me, and mine mentality. So the ultimate um, pursuit um, for this kind of worldview is a whole idea of um, personal pleasure, personal satisfaction. And so you will have the rise of um, um, personal therapies and things that happen instead of actually um, finding a saviour. Um, and please don't take me saying that counselling and stuff like that is not a bad thing, it's a great thing, okay? Um, but when it becomes the, 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 the ultimate um, thing, um, there, there, there can be some issues there as well. Um, the, the last one um, is reductive naturalism. So this one is really steeped in um, the whole idea that there is actually nothing else out there. Okay, the only thing that um, I will believe in is actually the things that I can test, that I can actually um, put my fingers to. Um, it talks about that we're accidents, um, and that that's all all that is there. And what was interesting, I was listening to this philosopher um, who was kind of going through these worldviews and was kind of living them, um, and he said, you know, there's 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 no hope, there's no truth, there's nothing else here, um, this is all there is. And he was one of the most miserable kind of guys that, that I could ever... He just sounded really miserable. So the problem with these things is these things actually don't give hope. They actually create a very much of an insecure kind of a, um, environment that we then now operate in. And so... As these worldviews and ideas kind of go through our society, it creates insecurity. Um, it breaks down communities because if you are um, only in it for yourself, you're not in it for your neighbour, okay? And so our societies also kind of break down. So it's no wonder that things seem to be heaving and throwing. We've got other things going on as well. We have geopolitical tensions happening at the moment, wars with Ukraine and um, different places like that. We have um, what looks like the rise and fall of a superpower as well. Um, we have rises in um, socialist Marxism uh, purely because of the response of the things in this world are just not working. So let's look at another um, ideology as well. And then we also have economic uncertainty and hardship and I think a lot of us with owning homes and stuff like that would be feeling that um, everyone would be with rents, if you rent or if you buy, you own a house, um, grocery prices. All of these things are kind of making our society um, very unsure. Now, I've got another um, QR code up here. Um, this is a QR code of just a presentation that I did with staff at the beginning of the year. And it's particularly helpful because it compares and contrasts um, these three different um, key narratives that are in the world, actually being spoken about a lot. Um, and then it compares it then to um, the biblical worldview. And so that's for something for you to, to look at um, later. But all of those ideas that we've just talked about in some way feed into these three will be hot topics, um, but I think that, that um, it, we, we find, particularly as Christians can find, actually quite challenging. And so, of course, we have LGBTIQ plus um, ideas, so inclusion and value.
Um, we have a very powerful environmentalism um, movement as well. Um, and then we also have in that we had the rise of critical race and Black Lives Matter racism as well. All of these things try to answer um, and, and try to solve the problems of these worlds. And so it's really people trying to work things out, okay? So really the question I really want to spend today for you is where does your mind spend its time? Because culture is, is um, caught more than it's taught. If we are spending our time um, with different cultures and, and, and different ideas and ideologies, we start to pick up different things, okay? And so really today, um, I want to um, encourage us and have a think about actually, well, yeah, what am I actually doing um, with my mind? Romans 12.2 talks about, um, Paul talks about this whole idea of do not conform to the world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. And so Paul here has this whole idea um, of actually let's, we need to actually start to spend time with our mind so that we can conform to the things of what the scriptures give us. He then says this in Ephesians um, 4. He says, Why do we need to conform our mind? So that we may no longer be children tossed and thrown by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness in deceitful schemes. And so the scriptures actually give us a really firm foundation actually to think from. And so even though the waves can be, of, of our society can be going to and through, back and forth, um, God's actually already got this worked out. And the scriptures um, um, have um, and give us truth, meaning and foundation to go, to go into. So how do we build a solid foundation? I've got six points, Okay. The first one um, that I, I note actually while working in our, in, in, our, in our college is the importance for our kids, for staff, myself, to have an eternal mindset. The scripture tells us that um, this life on earth is only the beginning. Jesus came um, so that we would be rescued from this life of sin and, 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 um, and of turmoil and mess and we were going to one day be united with him again in heaven and so the things that I do here on earth don't actually really count for now but they actually count for later if we have an eternal mindset I think it also helps us to see where we're going to spend our money where we spend our time. Do we spend our time with people or do we spend our time just with ourselves? Do I, do I actually spend things that are going... Do I spend my time um, and, and efforts into things that are going to um, lead to an eternal investment instead of something now? 
One thing that I was noticing with this is that my, my thing, I reckon, is um, I was finding I was starting to spend heaps of time just on, on YouTube. Um, on like watching other people having their own four-drive adventures and, you know, li living your life through someone else. But what I was noticing that as I was kind of watching these things, um, I, wanted to, I wanted more. I needed more. Okay? My mindset was not eternal, but it actually was on the here and the now. And as the Lord was kind of working through with me with that, and I realised that my mindset was actually here and now, not eternal, what was amazing is that I no longer started to... I no longer wanted those things that I was, you know, wanted. Um, I was actually thinking more about, um, about eternity. And I became a lot more happy with my circumstances. I was a lot more content. And being content... Um, in this world, I think is a priceless thing. So we need to have an eternal mindset. A few weeks ago, and I've heard it a few times here now from actually here, this whole idea of making pre-decisions. I didn't give my life to Jesus until I was in year 11. So I grew up in a family home. But as I was growing up, I was taught um, how to live um, a life um, based um, on the Bible, of, of what God actually would want us to do. And so that helped me actually make a lot of pre-decisions. And so my friends at school were going through a, a stage where they would, um, Friday night, they would get alcohol somehow. They would go down to the local creek um, and drink themselves um, till they were um, like really drunk bit of a recipe for disaster, hey, a creek out in the bush somewhere, um, drinking yourself, I'm stupid. Um, but I made decisions there, I said, well, I'm not going to do that. Not because I was holy, but because I kind of knew that that was a place that um, I could end up making bad choices. Making pre-decisions um, is a really important thing. If we actually know um, what God intends for us, if we're actually able to make this and say, you know what, if that, if that temptation happens, I'm just not going to do it. Make pre-decisions. The next thing that um, I think we really need to be doing is we really need to immerse ourselves in Scripture. Now, here we're doing um, reading plans, uh, and then we're then discussing those um, in our life groups. That is a fantastic thing to do. Okay, it's a brilliant thing to do. But can I challenge you... If you were spending your devotions time in reading a little piece of scripture and then reading a whole big explanation of that scripture, so you're not reading God's word, you're spending more time reading someone else's word, how about you flip that? How about you spend a lot of time just reading God's scripture? One of the revolutionary things I did um, in my early um, Christian walk is that I made the pre-decision to read the Bible through each year, okay, each year. And so, in fact, I found out if I read four chapters a day, I would actually get through the Old Testament and the New Testament twice. Sorry, sorry, Old Testament once and the New Testament I'd almost get through twice. And so I did that for many, many years and that was trans transformational in my life. So let me encourage you to spend time in reading through the Scripture there's some really great reading plans out there. One of the best ones I've done lately is actually this whole idea of um, 
reading the Bible chronologically. And what's amazing about it is that when you are reading something like King David and the story of King David, I mean Kings, you're then reading his Psalms and you're getting this insight into his, his whole ideas and his, um, his ideas and what he's going through as well. Um, the last three is spending time with the Lord. Immerse yourself in prayer. So like the time when I was um, on that ship going to and forward and being thrown around, okay, one of the most grounding things that I do, and I face many kind of different unsureties in my life um, on a day-to-day ballot, day-to-day um, and also challenges, by just simply spending time with the Lord and praying about it, he grounds me. Um, and he gives me um, a sure foundation. I also encourage people to read widely but discerningly. Start also reading about different ideas, different worldviews. Um, if you haven't read Mere Christianity by C.S. Lewis, get that out. It's a quite an amazing kind of a book. Read discerningly. And the last one is watch what you consume. Watch what you consume. So even though that I am saved and, um, and I am safe within the Lord, um, I know that there are things on um, TV and all sorts of things that are just not good for me. And so um, I am very careful about the things that I, that I actually subject my mind to um, because I don't want those things in my mind. And so these kind of things kind of help me build a really firm foundation. Now as the team come up to play, there was another storm that happened in the scriptures and it also happened to be on a boat and the disciples were crossing um, the water with Jesus and Jesus fell asleep in the boat and then this storm came up and waves started to crash over the boat um, to the point where they believe it was going to sink. It must have been a pretty big storm because a lot of these guys were fishermen. They knew how to handle a boat. And then they woke Jesus up and said, you know, don't you care that we're going through this? Jesus stood up. He rebuked the wind and the waves and the storm was um, finished. But then he says, where is your faith? Where is your faith? The disciples just looked at him and realised that Jesus even had um, power over the wind and the storms, the physical winds and the storms. But Jesus also has power over the storms of your life as well. When we ask Jesus to come into those spaces and we ask him to help us through these things, he will bring peace and he will calm the storm. We're just going to sing a song. Um, I think the king of my heart. Let's um, pray and let's just reflect on um, yeah, how good the Lord is. And if there are some things in our lives that are not are very shaky and we're not sure about or we have struggles or we're in a storm at the moment, I encourage you to turn those over to the Lord. Let's sing.
Thanks so much for checking out this message. LifeGate Church has people meeting in person and online in many different locations, and we'd love to help you get connected. My name's Andrew, and I lead our online team here at LifeGate Church, and it's our job to do exactly that. We'd love to help you find community, get support and prayer, and take your next step. So why don't you connect with us and take your next step at lifegate.org.au and click the next step button.